Good morning to all you faithful on the menu listeners. Uh, we're going to give you a, well, I was going to say smorgasbord, but uh, I think <laughs> there must be a better term for assortment here of um, interviews on different topics, starting with one of my favorite items to eat is pickles. The funny part about it is the, the guy who helped found the company, he's a near neighbor of ours. And we, ne- we never even knew it. Uh, right, he, yes. He, he dropped our samples by walking up the street. Was <laughs> uh, so, well, so say hello to Evan Paul of the Pittsburgh Pickle Company, and he can say that whole thing fast. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the, thing, the thing that he brought that I liked the best was the Briny Mary. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Briny Mary is all gone and, it, and didn't have any. What's this young man's name again? I've forgotten. I just know him as Evan Paul. Okay, Evan, here you go. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm I'm passionate about pickles. (laughs) I have no idea why, but I I always have been. And we're going to be talking to Evan Paul about the Pittsburgh Pickle Company. And Peter wants to recite something. No, Please. I don't. No, 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 I don't. Can Evan Paul recite it? Of course I can. You can? Go ahead. Uh, uh, not, not, not the entire one, but at least what we've done is uh, Pittsburgh Pickle Company has recently released our, our line of hot sauces, uh, which we're calling Peck. Um, and the, the line goes, Pittsburgh Pickle Company has picked a peck of pickling peppers. Um, so... so uh, <laughs> We have our, our, our food uh, flavor experts here who have, you know, taken the time to kind of pickle these, uh, these, these peppers, and, you know, we, we're very happy with the sauces and, you know, thought the, thought the name and the rhyme kind of just, just, just fit, so had to go with it. <laughs> it did indeed fit. And, of course, what a wonderful place to, to start a pickle company, but Pittsburgh. <laughs> no place better. No, no, no better place to start a pickle company. I mean, uh, P- Picklesburg being here. Uh, as the largest pickle-themed event in the world, um, you know, it was a happy accident that they started doing that right uh, the same year that we opened our company. So it's been a happy accident that some people think it's our event. It's not. Oh, yeah, uh, I, I was like going to ask you if it was, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it's, it's been a great pleasure working with uh, their team, and we, we sponsor the Pickle Juice Drinking Competition every year, um, which I is love pickle juice. exciting to watch. It's, it's Peter great, saves all the pickle benefit. juice for me. <laughs> you, you absolutely should. My, my girlfriend thinks my cooking has gotten better because I'm using pickle juice uh, to marinate chicken, um, but that's that's my secret. We just won't tell her that. Oh, that's very good. <laughs> we hadn't thought about that one. That's so, good. So she, she I don't know how to go with liver because we're having a liver tonight. I'm <laughs> this liver. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't speak to that, but I know uh, that's that's Chick Fil A's thing. Is they love doing uh, pickle brine chicken, and and you know that's uh, something that I've just learned over the years uh, working here. Uh-huh. Yeah, you were the first full-time employee of Pittsburgh Pickle in, Company. But indeed, I've certainly the, seen this company grow. Tell me about it. How did it start and when did it yeah. start? Tell, sure. Talk. So yeah. the, the story goes back a little bit before Pittsburgh Pickle Company was even uh, an idea. So the, our, our inception came from three brothers who are Pittsburgh natives, uh, born and raised in Verona, uh, which is just outside of Oakmont, if you're familiar. Um, yes. They 
they they were in uh, I think the eldest was about almost 30 or just past 30 and they kind of were all in their they're finding their careers and at one point all turned to each other and said uh, I think I'd have more fun if I was working with you guys and we opened a bar so they did exactly that they bought a a, a place in the strip district um, and they named it the Beer Hive uh, so in 2011 yeah. that's what they started if you guys are familiar it's a great place uh, they love to say it's like a great neighborhood bar you know they they know all their regulars things like that. Um, but they were really keen on having um, an all-natural pickle and have a, a fried pickle option. Now, the pickles that were available to them were either uh, laced with chemicals and preservatives, and, and yeah. that's really their focus, um, or the ones that were all-natural were just not holding up in the deep fryer. So, you know, like any good Pittsburgher or honestly any, any good person, they just said, you know, I, I can do this better. Um, <laughs> so they <laughs> – so they ultimately decided uh, that, you know, they, they would start doing this. And, and in the back of their bar, they were jarring these pickles. And eventually, over about a year or two, bar regulars became pickle regulars, where you were having people stop in on, on their way home from work. And instead of grabbing just a beer, they were seriously picking up a jar of pickles to go home with. And, and that's when those guys realized that, you know, maybe we need to make this a little more serious. So they moved production to their church's basement, uh, where they were making a couple hundred units a week. At which point, our local grocery store, Giant Eagle, called and said, hey, we're very interested in the really? store. We, we, we'd love to have your products there. Yeah. Um, which convinced so us to buy our building. What year is this again? Sure. What year? So that would, at that point, would be 2014 when Giant Eagle said we're, oh, okay. we're interested. So we bought our own building, um, officially founded Pittsburgh Pickle Company in 2014, uh, where we make uh, thousands of units a week, uh, multiple different SKUs, and we're actually even working with a ton of local companies to help co-pack their products. So we work with um, a bunch of other local products uh, and make those on behalf of uh, those companies, and we're really happy to just kind of have a team of Pittsburghers uh, making all these local products. So that's now, something that we're really proud of. Now, where's your, where's your plant? You sure. So uh, – Yes, so we operate out of Verona, so it's 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 really okay. great for those guys who are the owners because they, uh, you know, born and raised in this area, and now they they own this place. It's it's the old Victor Ravioli building for anybody who knows the area. Um, okay. So, uh, a long long history there, and and I don't think they're ever leaving. <laughs> it's 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 close to their hearts, you know. No, um, now you you have a, is it a proprietary? Uh, Pickling process. <laughs> Let me say that again. Proprietary <laughs> pickling process. <laughs> no, um, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily proprietary, but we do certainly do our our pickling very different than a lot of uh, the the bigger commercial teams. So the the most common way that most uh, shelf ready pickles are made are they're taking a cucumber and they're soaking it in a vat with salt and water, but it's extremely salty for months and months and months, and that's how it pickles. And then what we were learning uh, when we were first starting to do this was they would, uh, you know, rehydrate the cucumber afterwards, and that's how they were making their pickle. Um, and that process would come along with chemicals and things like that. Um, our process, we're very proud uh, of the way we do this. Um, so we get our cucumbers off a of farm on a Friday. They arrive in our warehouse on Sunday night. And then uh, Monday morning, we're washing, sorting. Uh, we're, we pack everything by hand, even to this day. 
um, which allows us to kind of inspect our cucumbers very closely. Um, but the reason that I, I explain this is just because we take those pickles that are picked off a farm on a Friday and we turn them all into pickles by Wednesday. So, um, you know, without any chemicals or artificial preservatives, uh, we're able to confidently say that the shelf life on that product is still a year because there's no chemicals breaking it down. It's, it's just a, a plain, simple recipe of uh, a good blend in spices. Now, where's the farm? <laughs> so the the farm is tricky. So we, we deal with a, a a ton of local or not local, but, you know, a, a ton of U.S. based farms. Um, oh, okay. And every week it, it does come from a, a different place. So it might be uh, farms in Florida, farms in Michigan, um, just uh, to shed a little light on that. You know, in the in the summer months, it has to be Florida. And in the winter or I'm sorry, in the winter, it's more Florida. And in the summer, we're able to pull from other states like Michigan. And right. Of course, you need um, it year round. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Ex- exactly. Um, and, and it's a, a, an amazing problem, actually, when we first started um, this company, getting cucumbers was the hardest part, which is something that you never uh, imagine. But certainly in the yeah, last few years, we've been like able crazy. to figure that out. <laughs> right. Um, um, we, we at one point entertained the idea of building our own facility and, and realized quickly that would be – that's out of our realm. <laughs> now, you, you mentioned something about um, 600 locations. Sure. So we're carried in every Pennsylvania Giant Eagle, as well as the market districts. We're in a com- uh, we're in a store called the Giant Company, which I believe is just recently rebranded yeah, from exactly. Giant and Martins. Um, we're in uh, a bunch of Whole Foods. We're in a ton of independent markets. Um, we have a retail presence in each of Pennsylvania's neighboring states. Um, I work directly with distributors who, uh, you know. I, I, I work with them to give them that products, and then they're helping us to kind of go out and find all of those locations. So I don't have all of them, which is kind of crazy. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just nice to see that, you know, a, hard of te- uh, a hardworking team of Pittsburghers is, you know, supplying um, a couple hundred locations around uh, our region. Now, now how great. do people get them if they're not going into the store to buy them? Can you, do you have online ordering Absolutely. and home delivery? Yes. So we work with a, a variety of teams to, to ship our products. So one local company that I love working with is called Beverages to You. Um, they ship our Bloody Mary mix to uh, all of the 50 states, and it actually uh, is an award-winning Bloody Mary mix. We're very proud of that one. Um, but we, we do sell our items on Amazon, and actually something that I've been working on in the last few weeks here is to begin getting us uh, on Walmart's uh, online platform. So we'll be on their e-commerce platform before the end of the year, which will be a nice little step for us in the right direction. Well, you're going to have to step up production, though, to handle all that expansion, Uh, huh? uh, That's certainly what we've been uh, ramping up to do. So we've, we've, you know, 2020 has been so hard on everybody. Um, You know, we've certainly taken our our blows here. But um, we've taken the extra time that we have to really work our process line and tool it to to be exactly where we need it to be to meet these orders of larger demand uh, when we get there. So, um, even today, I actually uh, was working with my team. Well, well, the owners and I are still involved in the pickling process, so I was working with one owner today um, to make some of our five-gallon buckets that go out to restaurants in the area, um, while other owners and uh, some of our team are actually working on, I think it's gas and electrical for um, a new machine that we're setting up. So um, we'll be oh, able wow. to make our brine in a much bigger uh, capacity and you know, just speed up production on, on that side. So it's certainly what we've been using this year to do. How many employees do you have? 
Sure. So it's, uh, it's run by three owners, and I, I and one other person here are full-time. Uh, and then we work with about uh, six to ten part-time employees. Um, it's just because our production schedule is so irregular. It's something that we really want to work on, um, and we're actually – you know, working with some of these teams to say, how can we get these part-time employees to be full-time employees? Um, but uh, it, it's nice that, you know, we're doing this with uh, just a small team. And uh, in my time here, as, I, as you guys said, I, I was the first full-time employee. We've had handfuls of, of single moms, kids, uh, parents who, you know, they just have their kid go to school for the day and they want to come here and make some extra money, just pack jars with us. Um, and then they're home by the time their kids are home. So it's just a a nice way to just have a, a network of people who, you know, we, we fit their lifestyle and, and they fit our needs. So it's a, a great symbiotic relationship like that. Now, you and then know, we you have a, what's the name of our, the pickles that we usually buy, rather? Uh, I, I, can't, I can't remember what they're called. The, the product is very good. Our whole family seems to buy these things. Hmm. But the one problem is you can't open the plastic containers. Oh, There's darn. like a tab, you know, and, and it drives us crazy. <laughs> I, I know a good pickle once, if you're interested in something else. <laughs> once, once you get once you get the <laughs> lid off, the, then then the problem you have is putting it back on again. But uh, of course, sweetheart, Rick's picks was very successful, right? Aren't oh, they, yeah, Rick's picks they was the, good. Too. They're in New York somewhere. Have you heard of them? Of course, of course. Yeah. We're, we're, they're, they're, I think we, we actually or somewhere like that. You yes, want? we actually talk with a lot of uh, other pickle companies from time to time just to kind of uh, pick their brains on kind of where they're going or how we're seeing, uh, you know, cucumber prices change because we all talk uh, with the same farms. Um, so, you know, we're, we're – I, I can't say I know anyone personally from Rick's, but I know our company has been uh, – or had conversations with them. You know, Brooklyn Brine when they were uh, – It's a, a good product. And there was McClure's. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Wickles, um, you know, uh, Cleveland Pickle Company. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're close with a lot of those folks. Now, you have a, a whole variety, oh, not oh, just oh, – uh, they have a whole lot of other flavors. That's your, what I was just going to say. Your, flavor, your flavors that are not common in pickles. <laughs> um, our, our our flavors are, are honestly what we try to do is just be very uh, middle of the road. So what we always focus on is just making a quality product that you can always depend on. Uh, so we like to say our Pittsburgh style is salty and sweet like most Pittsburghers. Um, you know, I know you guys being here and, and uh, you know you know what I mean here. Um, our dill mill is just this classic traditional dill. At one point this year, it was actually named Amazon's Choice uh, for dill pickles. Um, we have a bread and butter pickle, and that's pretty traditional too, but we call ours better bread and butter because we're actually using yeah. about a fifth of the sugar when you compare it to other companies. Um, I have a lot of people tell me that our, our salt content is actually lower while still getting a lot of that flavor, and, and that comes from you know all these other companies are using chemicals that kind of – uh, they have to make up for, and, and you know, uh, we just try to be this, you know, very, very reliable pickle. You know, you, you always know what you're going to get. It's a great pickle every single time um, and, and something that will never let you down. Now, the Bloody Mary mix, you said you ship all over the country. Of course. Um, actually, believe it or not, that actually might be our best-selling product this year. Um, now, I say that's really interesting because our our – Pittsburgh-style pickles have been the best-selling pickles made in Pennsylvania two years in a row. Uh, and our, blind, our Bloody Mary mix might actually beat that this year. 
um, because we won uh, an award. So if anyone is familiar with the Drunken Tomato Awards, they're the pinnacle of Bloody Mary competitions. Uh, What's in a blind taste test. Uh, the Drunken Tomato Awards. So Drunken Tomato is similar to like a Bloody Mary, right? Right. Uh, clever on their part. Yes. Um, so uh, they actually invited us to participate last year, and, and we go up against companies like V8, uh, Zing Zang. Oh, uh, I even yeah. think Clamato is, is part of that. And, and our mix was actually rated the best mix in America uh, in this blind taste test. So um, they, these experts spend a day or two basically just tasting Bloody Marys, and honestly, I would love to be a part of that. Um, who wouldn't? But their, uh, their, their team actually ranked ours as the best, and it's been uh, you know, something that we've certainly been able to kind of talk about. And, again, another win for a great small company here. And similar to our, our stance on our pickles, we're just trying to make something that's really good and very reliable every time. And uh, I think the way that we do things here um, you know, is kind of indicative of you know, that product's performance. So i um, very, got, very proud of that one. Then you've got the hot sauces. Yeah, and, talk and about the hot sauces. They were, I sure. thought they were very exciting. Oh, thank you. So I, the idea, again, is, uh, you know, Pittsburgh Pickle Company has picked a peck of pickled hot sauces. So we have uh, <laughs> three flavors of peck. Um, our, we have a chipotle sauce uh, where the flavor comes from a pickled chipotle and a touch of agave syrup, so it gives it that perfect amount of sweetness in a hot sauce. It's very similar that? to, uh, you know, I just fit into one of those peck. yesterday. Nice. Yeah, I got that. Um, yeah. So that's like our Tex-Mex sauce. Then we have our, our jalapeno peck, uh, which the flavor comes from pickled jalapeno, fresh lime, garlic, and cilantro. It's kind of like your, um, like the Mexican verde sauce with, uh, like without the tomatillo, if you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, so it's, yes, it's, that's actually my favorite. Um, and, uh, believe it or not, our best selling one so far is actually the hottest, which is our habanero. Um, so we tried to make that to, uh, similar to a Caribbean sauce, so like a scotch bonnet peppers kind of sauce, oh, um, but we're using habaneros instead. Yeah, I'm always amazed so, at how many people. Too. I mean, they, <laughs> we, we, they, Myself, they just well. absolutely adore it. Um, right. We, our son used to love the hotter the better until we got, somebody gave us the hot sauce bottle that had a skull got, and crust buns on it. We got one oh, that boy. Had, it had, a, it had a, a, a plastic skull attached to the oh. And, and so, Adam swooshed, he took a gulp of it out of the bottle, <laughs> and I could oh hear him gosh. screaming all over <laughs> the third floor. <laughs> well, so, no. so uh, that's funny you guys say that. Um, one of the products that we co-pack here is uh, we work with a company called Allegheny City Farms, and, and all the owner does, the owner, I'm very close with him, um, he loves making those extremely hot hot sauces, but he focuses on actually having uh, some of that flavor come out. And it's, it's crazy to watch uh, the owner and I try and taste these sauces at the same time because I, uh, like the story you just told, and, and, the, and the guy who just basically goes off running screaming, I need, I need water, give me milk or something. And the owner of this hot sauce company tastes it and has no reaction at all, just says, that's a good hot sauce. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I don't understand it. I just, I, it's not me. Um, I, I enjoy spicy, but, you know, some of those are, are too over the top. Um, Tom makes one. Tom, the owner of Allegheny City Farms, makes one called Mellow Death, which he actually worked with um, a local Death. band uh, yeah, to team up with. So, um, you know, it, it, if, if I haven't been clear, you know, clearly we have this local focus. Just love working with uh, Pittsburghers around here. So, 
Well, you know, I mean, the, 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 I've said this before on the program, but um, uh, um, the people in Frontera Grill in, in Chicago do a, 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 a chili tasting, and um, mm-hmm. and we all they they, I mean, it was just really straight stuff, um, and you were allowed to describe, or you had to describe what you tasted, and you weren't allowed to comment on hot or heat. And, and okay. sure enough, you know, like you, you get the seeds out of a scotch bonnet, you take it away, and, and you taste the scotch bonnet, and, and you, it has flavor. I mean, it's not just heat. Yeah. And that's the, that's the most important part in a hot sauce, you know, not just being hot, you actually have to bring yeah. uh, the other flavors to, I think, and that's what we say here is to make it usable, you know, I mean, like you just said, there are people who love hot and, and that's what they want, but uh, we're trying to bring a little bit uh, uh, flavor along to uh, with that. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they, they're finally learning, I mean, originally when we had, when we had uh, Indian um recipes, I mean, restaurants in this country, um, the, the heat factor was what everybody followed, where in fact, uh, it's the, the flavor, not the heat, that made it. The, now that they do regional Indian, you could get the flavors of, of all this. So not mm-hmm. just the heat. But. Well, then you've got, mm-hmm. the, Chinese, you've got the Chinese Zechuan. You, you, you remember that place we used to go when we visited uh, uh, yeah, Aviva, New York? Yeah. It was a there was a Zechuan restaurant just close by, and uh, they they served a beef dish with whole chilies, and I used to, I used to eat the whole chilies because yeah, I mean, oh, wow. on, on, yeah, on, yeah. on your lips and first bite down, it's exquisite, and then and then <laughs> the heat gets you. <laughs> it gets you later, then, right? Then, then, then you get beer. <laughs> beer <laughs> there you beer. go. Right, right. That's the only way to cool it down. I love that. <laughs> well, anyhow, so uh, uh, our listeners can just go on and, uh, and order these pickles right off of your website. Well, you better give us the website. Sure. So we're at www.pittsburghpickle.com. Um, there, there's a, uh, a buy now option that will link you right to our Amazon pages. Um, you can find all of our products there. Um, that's, I typically do recommend that's the best way to get our products, um, just for Amazon Prime's sake, you know, have it in a couple of days. It's just easy like that. Um, but yeah, visit, check out our website. We do have a lot of, uh, other stuff and our social channels are always updating with, uh, all, all of the exciting new products that we're coming out with. Um, uh, hopefully if we do have a, a Picklesburg in 2021, uh, we'll have some other exciting uh, other exciting products to, to showcase there. So hopefully... Yeah, uh, our relatives from New York and New Jersey came in for that one year. Oh, terrific. It's, yeah. it's a great yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually named USA Today's Best Specialty Food Show. So every, I, I, rec- I always recommend checking it out. It's a great time. Great. Well, I thank you, Evan Paul, and we're going to track down your relatives in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I love that. And, and, and listeners, Peter, remember, so much. and remember, if you're going on the website, that Pittsburgh is spelled out, and it has an H on the end of it. <laughs> yes. yes. You'd be surprised how many emails I get where it's just Pittsburgh and it ends in the G. It's like, okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do that we with our last name, too. 
you see. Ah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, Evan, it's, you've been a delight to talk to, and your product is delightful, and I'm so glad thank that you. it's easy to open the jars. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, guys. Um, so I, that's I, our, uh, our next. I don't live, I, sorry, you go. No, it's, it's going to be our standard pickle now, and, and we, we eat uh, a lot of pickles. Well, thank you. <laughs> Well, terrific, terrific. I, um, I, I, as I shared in our, our previous communications, uh, you know, us both being Pittsburghers, um, I don't live too far from you guys, so maybe when we're uh, testing some of these new flavors and, you know, what else might be next, uh, maybe I'll just stop by with some new samples and we'll have more to chat that about next great. time. That's great. That's great. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.com. Welcome back. Next up in our melange is um, a duo, Emily Richards and Sylvia Kong, uh, who uh, actually write for a series called the Best of Bridges series, and they'll tell you why it's called that. And we're going to be talking about their latest book, Five ingredient cooking, and who who would not love to have just five ingredients? There you go. Uh, I'd, I'd love to introduce them to my to my sister, who's who's a who's a total bridge nut. Oh yeah, as, as you as you probably know, but I guess they're a continent apart. So we'll we'll, we'll work on it one day. In the meantime, here are the ladies whose names are Emily Richards and Sylvia Kong. I'm really excited. I didn't actually know about this cookbook series called Best of Bridge, um, but we're going to be talking to Emily Richards and Sylvia Kong, who both are, are contributing um, to the series, um, the modern version of the series, although it has a, a long history. Uh, would one of you like to just explain where did the series come from? Do you want me Sylvia, to do you want to go ahead? Oh, you want sure. me to start? <laughs> okay, I'll start, and then you, uh, can, you can do the second half. How's that? Okay. Well, a, a group of ladies started out, uh, and they used to play bridge all the time. Emily and I do not play bridge, but these ladies played bridge, and they used to, of course, bring food, and then uh, recipes began to get shared, and that's how it started the ball rolling. And um, over time, they just got more and more people sharing recipes with them, so they decided to write a cookbook. And uh, they started the book in, I think, 1975, and then it first got published in 1976. So these group of ladies, they were a real hoot. They were a very fantastic group of friends. They used to get all dressed up together in the same aprons and so on and go to the media. And But before the book even started, they had trouble getting to the bank, and the bank would not give them money. So uh-huh. they decided to push forward, you know, with female power, women power, friendship, and they finally got through, and this is how it all started. <laughs> now, did it start out being um, simplified recipes or not? No, it's always not been that. It definitely has always been kind of simple recipes, but things that um, they would make um, amongst their their friends. Um, so if they were getting together to play bridge, 
they were bringing snacks and appetizers. So definitely those recipes. But then they also had small children. So they were cooking at home for their families. So those recipes appeared too. And, you know, they were, they were busy working women. Um, so the, it suited their lifestyle and many of their friends. And I think that's where the popularity really started. Now, uh, is the company itself, is it Canadian? You're, are you both in Canada? Yes, yes, yes we're, we're both, both in Canada. Canada. And the book started out in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And um, what's interesting about the book is that it was handwritten. The whole book was handwritten in a special font, and that has continued to this day where it's a similar font, but the original ones were written by hand, and um, oh. it's beautiful to look at. Yeah, what do you call this format? It's like a ring binder, huh? Yes, that's exactly um, what it is. And originally the books were um, just that ring format, and then um, as the years progressed, the hardcover came on to it because a lot of people were saying that they were losing the covers because wow. of that ring binder. So the hardcover keeps everything um, sealed so you won't have that problem anymore. <laughs> ah. Well, I remember an old cookbook my mother had that was very popular. I can't remember what it was. It was a red and white cover, and, and it was all this exact same ring binder format. Do you know what I'm talking was it, about? Was it, was it Betty yeah, Crocker? Think, Betty Crocker. Betty was that, Crocker do they call that a Sherlock's um, binding, Emily? I think it's called. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But but you're right. It was the Betty Crocker cookbook because I think I have a hand-me-down copy of that book. Did you really? (laughs) Well, no. um, That was a long time ago. Now, you you have not worked on it that long. When did you two come on board? Yeah, we're definitely not um, the originals, which started in 1975, like Sylvia mentioned. We've been working on the series for four years, I think, Sylvia? Going on to four, four, that's right. Going on to four, yes. Now, has it been a continuous publication? or I seem to get the feeling that this was like a renewed project. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, well, it's, yeah. it carried on for a number of years um, with new books put out. I, do you know, I think they were maybe every other year, Sylvia? I don't think it was every year, right? Uh, about Originally. that, but there's, there's 23 books since 1976. So our, our current book is number 23. Wow. And, I mean, are they all still available? Or they're probably collector's items, right? Well, well, the originals are definitely um, our collector's items, um, and what the publisher did was compile some of the older ones into the new format, which you see now with that hardcover, and, and incorporated some of those older editions into them so that um, they are actually still available. Now, I mean, this, by contrast, I mean, it's, it's kind of a low-cost binding, but in contrast, you have these very um, lavish, uh, full-color, shiny uh, photos. Mm-hmm. I think that today is new it, people are visual. They're so visual, they want to see pictures of the recipes, whereas the original ones had no, no photos at all. But they all still have corny jokes in them, and that's another Oh, yeah, that's, I meant to mention jokes. that. <laughs> not, to be, <laughs> not to put anybody off, but uh, yeah, the corny is the 
correct word for it. Here's a sample. What do snowmen eat for breakfast? Frosted flakes. <laughs> but it, it puts a smile on people's faces, and, and that's what it's about, making cooking approachable, fun. Um, you know, it's not all just a, a chore. So we want people to be cooking in their homes and enjoying themselves. Well, they are, um, by current pandemic circumstances, <laughs> indeed cooking in their homes. Um, I can tell from the, the change in the, the type of cookbooks that we've been receiving from publishers. Uh, uh, they're definitely not these elaborate restaurant chef-driven cookbooks that we used to get uh, mm-hmm. with these multi-course you know, dinner things that go on for page after page of ingredients where you can't even find them. Uh, but this one is it's titled, subtitled, 125 Recipes for Fast and Easy Meals, and it's five-ingredient cooking. And now uh, they're all recipes that uh, call for only five ingredients, although that doesn't include pantry staples such as oil and salt and pepper. Am I correct? That's right. And water. And water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> water. People are really counting it. Water is some, it does uh, come up in some of the recipes. So if people are counting, that's an additional thing. I see. <laughs> now, I mean, what, besides the fact that they're, the ingredients are limited, and you also point out in the book that that means if you're using regular pantry staples, things you already have, you, 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 it cuts down on shopping. But what else do you think is unique about these books or this book? I think it's a good way to um, introduce um, young kids into the kitchen too so that they're not looking at um, a long list of ingredients and whether they're you know helping alongside another family member or kind of cooking on their own I think that it's a great way to start it's not it's not overwhelming or in as you said these pandemic times a lot of people don't want a big long ingredient list and they don't have a lot of ingredients so using these types of recipes kind of really fits this you know in the now uh, lifestyle. Now, did you go online yet? Is there is there a, is there a website that, that people can interrogate if they need help with the recipes? <laughs> yes, of course. We do have a website, <laughs> and go, we also ahead, have Instagram and Twitter. The website is bestofbridge.com. Bestofbridge.com. And and here's the here's the killer question: Are you still playing bridge? They're not playing bridge at all. They're not bridge players. <laughs> we need to learn how to play bridge. <laughs> yes, we'll have to. Sylvia and I will have to learn. <laughs> then Peter's family is big on bridge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my, 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 my sister has become a very good bridge player. Her, her husband, who's, who's sadly now passed anyway, but he, he was. Oh, it was always grab a hold of him if you need four, but she was she was very patient dealing with him because he really didn't have much of a clue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we, we we tried one of those bridge clubs where people were really serious. 
Miss Ann was a bit like that. And, you, and you, you know, it was duplicate bridge, which is a whole other ball game. I don't know if you know that. I mean, you compete with everybody, all these other tables and and so forth. And uh, I mean, I I have like not a clue what I'm doing. <laughs> And we won, and everybody got really mad. Oh, well, well that, that sounds like a lot that's of That's exciting. <laughs> it was dumb luck. Dumb luck. I have no idea why. Then there was, then there was, that, then there was that evening when you, when you forgot whose turn it was to, to, to lead. And you, and you no, I forgot was, what Trump was. was <laughs> I forgot what Trump was, and I still won, and you got mad at me. You weren't even my partner. <laughs> so we don't play that anymore. <laughs> We, we do we do cook things like those are new recipes those so we so we have a a whole new set of things we can add to our uh, portfolio of quick to, quick to uh, create dishes. That's wonderful. I mean, it really helps. I mean, it, it, I remember going to the phase where you cooked elaborate meals and you stayed in the kitchen and and did all this stuff, and it, I just can't tolerate it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Thanksgiving was a stretch yesterday. <laughs> and you know, what are some of your favorite um, or, or organized? It's pretty typical of the organization here. You have breakfast and brunch, appetizers, salads, and sandwiches, soups, and so forth. Um, sides. You have a vegetarian section, and that's very much a sign of the uh, of the times, isn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. So yes, and then we've had lots also, of requests. We've had lots of requests for vegetarian recipes um, over the years, so we definitely try to bulk up that chapter so that um, it's um, it's open to you know whether you have a vegetarian in the family or you're in, you know um, meeting up with some vegetarians. Then it's it's nice to have those options. Well, you're lucky if it's just vegetarian. I mean, I had a cook a family Thanksgiving dinner, and my one cousin's daughter was vegan. <laughs> oh, yes, that does become a little bit more difficult. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, <laughs> So now, uh, like, do you have favorites of these recipes? Oh, well, that's a good question. We get asked that because it's like, which is your favorite <laughs> child? But uh, we do have some certain ones that are closer to our heart. We'll call okay, it that tell us thing. what those are. Um, for myself, I love the blender banana oatmeal pancakes because that's all made. Oh, yeah, that you blender. open with that one. That sounds fabulous. Yes, and then you just pour it out of your blender, and we recommend people double the recipe because you can refrigerate the pancakes and you can also freeze them. So you're not having to cook, you know, breakfast over and over, um, You can, but you can enjoy the food repeated uh, several times. Um, See, I don't even understand how people can cook breakfast. I mean, I struggle in the morning. (laughs) And the one thing that I really regret with our son raising him was, since I didn't do breakfast, uh, I let him eat that horrible stuff, that uh, oatmeal that comes prepared. What kind is that, Rabbit? Quaker. Quaker oatmeal with all that horrible artificial stuff in it. (laughs) Because he could cook it himself. He could stick it in the microwave. And that I feel it was really very bad of me, <laughs> very bad mother. <laughs> uh, no, I I don't I wouldn't have called you a bad mother, but you just did what worked for your your family, and uh, you know everyone's got such a different situation in their uh, homes, and 
as long as there's food on the table, we think that's a start. That's a great start. You know, um, you have some unusual things here. Are these original to you like your egg pizza? Yes, they they are. And it's actually, it's just, um, it's it's something that I've made for my kids for a long time. Um, And it's using the egg um, as the base of the pizza in the morning. And it comes together really quickly. Eggs are fabulous for for quick breakfasts and a nice start of, of protein in the morning. And I just put pizza toppings on them because my kids seem to love everything that tastes like pizza. So I, know. <laughs> I use it. I use it to my advantage. <laughs> yes. Um, so now, what are some of the other are the things that you learn to avoid making for your kids? Well, I mean, I try not to avoid anything. I want them to kind of experience all the food, but they definitely have their preferences. Um, you know, my daughter still loves, you know, chicken and fries. So I try to change it up so that she's having it, but maybe in a different way. So it's roasted potatoes or roast chicken as opposed to nuggets and fries that she absolutely adores. <laughs> well, you're, the, you're, the photo of your fries, are those unbaked or are they the, 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 fr- the photo with the French fries? Yeah, they're uh, potatoes that have been sliced and then tossed in spices and then roasted. And that recipe is absolutely delicious. And it's gorgeous. I just want I want to make that the whole meal. I don't need anything else. <laughs> but it's not that bad. But I could enjoy it that way for sure. But now, uh, now we, got, we, we got a hint. We got a hint, by the way, from who? Who is that guy? I love the, the the Asian chef who wrote the big book. He said the way the way to make perfect fries is, is you parboil the potatoes and then oh, you yeah, slice yeah. them and then you put them in the refrigerator. Oh, <laughs> that's a great tip. But you know, ours is a little faster because if you're in a hurry, you just have to chop yeah. them oh, up yeah, and if, toss but if, them. But if you if you like your fries kind of perfect, yes. Mm-hmm. Ken, well, Kenji lover. Kenji, what's his last oh, name? Oh, Kenji Lopez. Oh, Lo- Lopez. Oh, Lopez. He's good. That's how we do our soft-boiled eggs, too. Now. Yeah, he's got um, great tips. Yes. Now, um, what what do you think about... I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I have in my possession... He's being, he's being honest. This is, be careful, guys. <laughs> yeah, because I'm, I'm people send us things. People send us <laughs> things. Thank I you. have two egg cookers that I've never used. I have a multi-cooker, which I've never used, which also has a sous vide component. I have, um, what are some of the other, an air fryer, (laughs) which has never been used. I mean, where do you come down on these innovative gadgets? I I know people who absolutely swear by air fryers. They they are popular, (laughs) but... uh... I personally don't own one because I can't fit another thing in my pantry, in my yeah. storage room. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have a big closet. After <laughs> there are things in there that come out once a year. So, for example, the the, the KitchenAid roaster that's used to cook large chickens and turkeys. And that's a very beautiful pot, though. They, they, they came out. Now it's now it's cleaned up and back. 
and he won't be out again for probably another six months at least. Well, there were only two of us. I mean, it's a big thing, you know. And you might have to use some of them for some stocking stuffers, I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty big stocking. So if I need specialty equipment, I know where to come. I mean, I yeah, know you, where to you go. Can, you can come. You can borrow them. If you can travel again. Um, now, I'm looking at some of your recipes uh, that um, are, like, reaching into more global flavors, like your Thai coconut chickpeas. Tell mm-hmm. us about how you approach um, more exotic, I don't even know what we're allowed to call them now, global flavorings. We we call it international. So okay. That, that covers the – but – Emily and I both love eating all kinds of food from all, all over the world. We just think there's so much to enjoy, um, you know, rather than the regular meals that we have every day. But we love flavor and we love uh, different spices and such. And this one, we use a, a Thai red curry paste in it, and that just adds so much flavor out of one little jar. And that's how we can get the five ingredients uh, all encompassed oh, in one that's recipe. A, that's clever. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very, very tasty, and you can have it on noodles, or you can have that on rice. And um, it, you know, again, again, if you've got your vegetarian friends or family, uh, your inner circle group coming over, this is a perfect one. Or just for, you know, two two people to enjoy, enjoy, and then you've got leftovers for the next another meal. Oh, and Anne, this one's this one's vegan, so this one would be great for you for you to make next time. <laughs> We, we, yeah, we, no, don't we, let, we don't let too many vegans into the house, I can assure you. <laughs> don't say that, Rev. We'll lose half our audience. <laughs> um, no, no um, you, you also have little tips throughout the book. I mean, I always swear that I'm going to do this, and then we never end up doing it. it is, uh, double the amount you're making, eat half and freeze half. Mm-hmm. So um, I always kind of forget that, though. Uh, in fact, we <laughs> Peter always, he's making tongue. He does two of them because that's what his recipe said, and it's a long process. So I, I thought we had saved one because we found this large container called beef tongue in the freezer. And so we dutifully thawed it out, and this was some months after the original um, and when we got a thought, we, we realized it was just the liquid. He hadn't read the whole label on it. <laughs> there was no meat in it at all. <laughs> we, 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 we so we quickly thawed so, some sausages, I think. <laughs> can, 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 can you imagine how lusty you have to be if you're just a couple and you eat two beef, beef tongues? <laughs> That's a lot of good protein going on there. You yeah, bet, you but I, I can I can commend you on at least labeling the food. Whether or not that was actually in the package is another matter. But you know that's a good first step labeling. Yes, yes. that is a big one, exactly. especially when it's going into the freezer. Yes, yes. Um, and the other, I'm, I've been eyeing up. I keep trying n- new recipes because I think they're they're healthy and I should eat a lot more Brussels sprouts. Um, mm-hmm. But this one looks like something I would really get into, cranberry, bacon, Brussels sprouts. Yes, yeah, so you get sweet and savory with that recipe, and it's very, very tasty. That's another one that I think you could sit down and just enjoy a whole plate of that. 
Yes, that's yes, you can. Great... I did that last week, Sylvia. <laughs> I'm I'm proof of that. That's what I did last week with the Brussels sprouts with cranberries. Oh, good. Well, we'll do that. <laughs> yeah, we, we were at a restaurant in San Francisco once, and the, their their appetizer with your with your cocktail before lunch was actually leafed Brussels sprouts. Just leaves Brussels sprouts. So they, so they to, totally created created a package of leeks and then fried them. That Lovely. sounds delicious. Yeah. yeah very good. Um, was there something else funny we had at that place? It was something else. That, oh, pig's ears. That was sort of a disappointment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I had oh, a well. bite. A pig ears <laughs> once. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, this has been delightful talking to you, Emily Richards and Sylvia Kong, about your, your newest addition to the Best of Bridge series, Five Ingredient Cooking. And uh, listeners, I, if you're at home cooking and cooking and cooking, it's good to streamline the whole process and, and head for this book. Well, thanks to both of you for talking to us and, and enjoying some pleasurable conversation with us. Well, thank you so much for having us. Finally, um, we're going to be talking to Margaret Zeller about Austria's famous mountain cheese. And the cheese is very good. Um, uh, Margaret's is very good. The um, reception and and sound from Austria was not particularly good, but we did the best we could. So put on your... um, defuzzing hearing aid and, and mm-hmm. lean in and see if you could uh, hear Margaret Zyber. And, and, and her, her Austrian, or I guess it's German, is a sure as a whole lot better than ours. Her uh, English is a lot ours, better. Yeah. Her English is yeah. a lot better than ours. So uh, the, uh, the, un- the understanding that she's operating in a foreign language and a, fascin- a truly fascinating product. Okay, we're going to be talking to Margaret Zeiler uh, from Austria, uh, who's going to be talking about Austria's mountain cheese. Well, I never even thought that there was such a thing as um, a mountain cheese, although having a, a European cheese has become a tradition on our show. Um, Margaret, uh, first of all, tell us exactly what is. Austria's mountain cheese. Where is it made? Hello. Um, well, Austrian mountain cheese is an alpine cheese, also known here as, as mountain cheese or a, a, a Basque cheese. It refers to a style of cheese making rather than one variety. The name also applies to Swiss, French, or Italian cheeses as well. Um, so Mountain cheese covers literally hundreds of different cheeses, but yeah, here, um, here it's it's called um, mountain cheese plus the region where it is from, um, and it's a cheese made of unpasteurized cow milk, um, like so it's all any cow milk. I'll find cheese as well. <laughs> it's all cow cow milk. Okay, all right. So and the cows have a big place to, to live, don't they? Yeah, so what makes this cheese very special, I think, is the way it is produced, or uh, let's say the way we do agriculture here uh, in the mountains. So 
uh, due to the topography of our country and the weather conditions in the Alpine region, um, intensive agriculture is not possible. Like, you know, with big machinery and and cows giving like loads of milk, that's just not possible. The cows need to adapt to to the mountains, so in its old races, they uh, live a very happy life up there in the mountains. Uh-huh. And well, uh, the milk production here and has always been um, is GMO free. That's also very important here in in Austria. And about the the cheese, most um, mountain cheese is made of uh, the mountain cheese is made of hay milk, but Actually, many cheeses here are made of hay milk. This means the milk uh, is silo-free. The cows do not eat silo. They only get um, they only get uh, uh, hay and grass and some grain. Yeah. Well, that's what they're supposed to be getting because that's how their stomachs are organized, right? Yeah, it's like their natural. Way yeah. they should be fed, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, no wonder it's good. Now, what when you produce this cheese? As you said, there are oh, hundreds and hundreds of types. Um, what are some general characteristics that uh, consumers can look for? What's different about Alpine Mountain cheese? Well, it's um, a hard cheese. That means uh, it's it's um it stays longer than for example soft cheese um so it's hard cheese um it's it's sometimes you get some herbs on it it's really yeah, we had on one with herbs yes yeah. yes i i i know so um um well it's hard cheese with with a special flavor i guess it's it's the kind of cheese um um sorry my kid is crying (laughs) (laughs) it's um um well it's it's mm, give me a hand here uh it's it's spicy. It's from nutty, fruity. It's spicy, floral herbs. Um, you can. It's sometimes buttery. It it has a very nice melting point. There are younger cheeses. Um, they are milder, and you can eat them for breakfast. And, and oh, nice. maybe kids eat it in school on the bread and. Um, you can eat the, the strong. The older they get, the, the stronger they get. But strong doesn't mean like, um, like yeah, it's dainty strong. It just means it's more intense. There are more flavors. Um, oh, it has a good, a good, strong flavor. I mean, but it's not, it's not extremely funky like some um, cheeses. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a clean. Yeah cleanness about the taste i think um yes the what we had was i mean what we were sent was alp blossom um berglant milk and some kaiser mm-hmm. do you want to talk about yeah. some of those 
Um, yeah, well, it's uh, three different Austrian cheese producers. Um, well, but um, I have to say, these producers also uh, buy the, the cheese from uh, small cheese making um, uh, manufacturers. So, for example, the the mountain cheese is made up in the mountains on heads in the mountains. And the farmers up there produce like uh, two or three loaves of cheese a day. So um, they give it then to the, to the bigger cheese-making companies which sell it to you to the U.S. Because a small farmer with uh, two loaves of cheese a day couldn't, wouldn't be able to, to bring the cheese over to you. So they... Well, do they have uh, like a consortium? Do they have like... Do they pool their different cheeses and then have it come out under a different label? Um, yes, no. because um, you know the, the dairy companies over here are very small scale. The farmers are very small scale. So on average we have here uh, 20 cows a farm. And, oh wow, that is uh, small. In the west where most of, of the alpine cheese is produced, it's only nine or ten uh, cows per farm. So uh, what the farmers do uh, to harvest the country, it's it's not that easy because, as I told you, due to weather conditions and due to the topography, intensive farming is not possible. So to get most out of, of your land, you have to use it all. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so as soon as the snow vanishes, um, the the cows uh, go up the mountains and they stay there and spend um, uh, spring in in lower elevations and and the late summer up in the high mountains. And all the family goes with the cows up on the mountains. Oh, yeah. They live like nomads. <laughs> and, That's like that um, thing in Italy where they have the grand. A movement of the uh, animals, of the human. What's it called, rabbit? It's called, it's called in, in in Italy. It's called the tr- transhuman. Transhuman. Like yes. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. This, yes. So this is Here's a similar well. thing because in in the in the case in the case of the Italian transhumanza, it's it's not so much uh, that the, the 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 cows are escaping. I mean the the. the Essentially, mostly sheep. They're, they're actually escaping the hot weather, so they go up to the mountains when it's hot, and then they come back yeah. down to the lowlands when it's yeah. cooler. Here we do it uh, with the cows. During summer, you you wouldn't find a cow down in the valleys, so the cows literally graze their way up um, oh, and over the mountains, and they. Um, they are traveling down um, in in autumn, and all the family goes with them. So, uh-huh. um, in former times, when there was no refrigerator to cool your milk or to preserve it in any other way, um, people had to make cheese to preserve their milk. And, right. Okay, got and it. Got it. As you're up in the mountains, it was not possible to bring your milk down into the valley and sell it each and every day. Um, that was logistically just impossible. And is even today because um, some 
in some huts in the mountains where they produce cheese. They don't even have roads uh, going there. So, um, so they have all this milk, and they need to process this milk somehow to preserve it. And so they they made cheese, and they still do today. And it's it's kind of lifestyle. You do not get rich from doing that. It's it's. Um, um, it's it's something between tradition and and lifestyle. Farmers just love to do it. They love their cows. They love this kind of work, although it's a 16 hours physically hard work. But so they make this small amount of cheese and they bring it down and they uh, they work together with this uh, uh, companies here in the in the valleys and they they sell their cheese and they also help ripe the cheese to mature the cheese and in some other regions um, for example you have uh, um, uh, cheese from Berglandmilch from Kisereppeln and from Rupp so Rupp is one who who um, has all these small farmers who who delivers the cheese to them um, and Berglandmilch and, and Kisereppeln they mostly uh, try to get the milk down from the Alps and grows it in the valley, which is also a huge amount of work. You have to imagine that the the milk cars have to go up like a thousand, uh, to an altitude of a thousand meters to get some milk, you know, as the farms are not that big. Up in the mountains, they have, uh, the farmers have, um, um, uh, Land uh, they, they cultivate in common, like uh, four, five, six farmers. So then you have 60 cows. And then the, the milk car goes up there and gets the milk from 60 cows. So now, is there a particular quite... breed of cow that is common? Yeah, in different regions there's different um, uh, uh, races of cows. Because these cows, they are not um, born to give a lot of milk. <laughs> they um, they need to be like good in the mountains. They need to 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 be able to hike. <laughs> they, <laughs> they have to get you. You have to imagine they have to go up there many kilometers, sometimes twenty kilometers. In the spring, they have to go up there, and then to get their grass and stuff, they uh, also have to walk around. That's exhausting for a cow. If a cow <laughs> stays in the stable all day, uh, she will gain a lot of fat and can give a lot of milk. But these cows are very sportive. They have to, to drain a lot. They have to they walk around a lot to get their, their grass. And so they are, well, more sportive. Yes, they're not very big. <laughs> They're not very <laughs> fat. <laughs> I don't know. They're not very fat. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, a special breed in the different regions which adapt to the mountains. Well, do, you, the, do you have a, a rating or a grading system like some uh, some different products like um, a DOP? Yeah. Mountain cheese is uh, GOP, and um, also the hay milk production itself is 
uh, protect it. It's uh, what's the English name for? It's um, um, guaranteed traditional speciality. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have to look up the English name. It's it's. Um, hmm. Give me a second. Um, Mm. Yeah, it would take a while to look it up. <laughs> uh-huh. We, we, we get the idea easy. anyway. It's it's, uh, it's certified yeah. to, be, to be of a particular composition and from a particular place. Um, yeah, not from a particular place. In that case, it's uh, it's a particular way of doing farming. Okay. It's a, um, the method of production, huh? Yes. Okay, and why is it better ecologically than than some of the other uh, cheeses? Um, well, it's the way how agriculture is done, I guess. Because uh-huh. um, you have to imagine that this kind of... of um cheese production it still works like it worked 100 years ago mm-hmm. and um well, it sounds to so, me like marketing it is, has to be a big challenge i mean, <laughs> I mean you've got limited production and you've got uh, cooperation and you've got remote areas i mean i imagine getting it all together for a marketing campaign is is a challenge, isn't that what you're doing currently? Yeah, it is. And you might ask yourself why we have uh, so few export from Austrian cheese. It's uh, we started exporting in general cheese with uh, or milk products. We started 25 years ago, so it's very young. Oh, it's <laughs> young kind too. Of business. And we started, uh, of course. Um, to sell the cheese to our neighboring countries, to Germany and Italy. And um, so only in the last decade, I guess, we we started to sell cheese overseas. Um, One of of the things that was the most unusual, I thought, was was the use of herbs and little flowers on the outside of the cheese. Where, where there would ordinarily be a rind of some kind. Instead, yeah, instead I mean, you know, lots of cheeses that do that, rabbit. Yeah, you know, it, for me, it's strange not to eat the rind. So it's not possible. No, I, to eat I, the rind I, I ate all the rind. Here, it's mostly uh, eatable. <laughs> so, because it's all natural. And um, uh, about the flowers, it just wants to demonstrate i think the the flora and fauna you find uh, in the in the mountains so, okay, so the um, flora you find in the mountains yeah, because so the, the, the flower, um the flowers the and herbs are come from the same place as the cows graze um no because they're 
the mounds the and nothing's growing the there. Age <laughs> by the by <laughs> Well, you know, I think you but have your hands full here, Margaret Zyler. But I'm I'm happy that you would share the information with us. And uh, I hope that you get a big boost of people interested in finding out more about it. Uh, I keep thinking of the poor cows having to climb so hard. <laughs> and, 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 uh, well, the, uh, it's like holiday for them up there. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you don't have to be up there. <laughs> well, again, um, we're talking to Margaret Zyler and... Um, there is a, a grand campaign to get us all to know more about uh, Austria's mountain cheeses, a young industry, very small scale, but worth exploring because the cheese tastes very, very good and is ecologically uh, sound. I mean, the production of it is ecologically sound. And so anyhow, I thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Hold on, hold on a second. There's a, well, there's, well, a lot of, there's a lot of good information on the Internet, too. Yeah, why don't you give us that yeah. um, your website and, and and check out all the the herbs uh, and, and grass you find up there. It's it's sixty different kinds on a square meter, so uh, you should taste all the flavors of them in, the, in your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and what, and what's, what's the what's the URL for the website? Um, for our website. Uh, Oh my gosh! I don't know. Uh, it's my colleague should know because there is a special order for it. Otherwise, ours is um, amaglobal.at. Okay. Well, I think if you just go and, and, and type in Alpine Mountain Cheese, you're going to end up uh, Austrian uh, Alpine Cheese. You're going to find yourself on the website again thank you very much all of you who participated in getting this put together have have a good uh, weekend margaret i mean i guess you have a whole week you too too. thank you well there you have it sweetheart yes and uh, um, even though a lot of things surrounding us in in our country uh has been arresting shall we say yeah. Uh, there's something you can count on, and that is that we will continue to yeah, we'll be put here. out yeah, we'll on the menu yeah, we'll be a here. podcast about yeah, we'll, food. We'll be, we'll, we'll be here, same time, same place, next week. And until then, bye-bye.